0: What is going on, everyone? This is Seth from Engage Podcast. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing fine. I'm going to try to get these announcements down as fast as possible. Um, real quick, wherever you wherever you are hearing my voice right now, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, YouTube, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already reason why we want you to do this is because if you hit subscribe, that means that every time we come out with a new episode of the Engage Podcast, it's going to be right on your phone first thing in the morning on Thursdays. It's going to be super easy for you. You don't have to find us. You don't have to look for us. Boom, it's right there on your phone. Also, just want to give a quick um, shout-out to everyone who lives um, in Washington, Virginia. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because um, on our Main podcast page, um, I can see um, like what kind of devices people use to listen to our podcast, and also geographically where all of our listeners are. And I got to tell you, it, to me, it is the coolest thing ever. There are there, there's almost there's just as many people who listen to this podcast in Washington, Virginia than listen to it in our own town of Hermitage, Pennsylvania, which I think is so cool that this podcast is so rich with content that people who don't even live in the local area are getting a lot out of it. So shout out to Washington, Virginia. It's so incredibly cool. Um, but if you listen, if you list, if you like this podcast and you get a lot out of it, the best thing you can do is share it with someone else. Uh, you know, share the link, share uh, what you learned. It is the best way to get the word out. And uh, if you like it, it's a great way to just uh, bless other people is to share this, this, this you know, this uh, content. Um, so that's really cool. Shout out. Um, Our guest today is a great person. Uh, He was such a pleasure to have. His name is Mike Winslow. Uh, He is the coach for uh, the Teal Football. And listen, we talked about leadership. We talked about Jocko Willick. We talked about Jordan Peterson. We we just, it was such a great, great, great time. And you guys are in for another fantastic episode. We got to have him back. So give it up for our friend, Mike Winslow.
1: Okay, Welcome back to Engaged Podcast, where we are continuing our series, our Leader to Leader series, where we take folks in the community who are leaders and influencers and shaking up the world. Today, we have the great privilege of welcoming Coach Mike Winslow from Teal, and he's coaching the Tomcats. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Anthony. I, I appreciate it and taking the time out. I'm looking forward to you know, talking with you guys a little bit about your program and, and a little bit about the community. All right, all right, Coach. Can I call you Coach? Absolutely. That's, that's what most people call me as Coach. I
1: like call, I like that. All right, Coach. So um, before we get into it, you walked in here with a, a, a drink in your hand. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, it is a is a Jocko Go. You know, I guess it's an energy drink. And and anybody that is a Jocko Willink has uh, you know he's wrote a couple books. One of them being Extreme Ownership. Hmm. And and you know that's the one I have right now, and it's it's kind of a field manual and guide to some principles of life, and and I think about Jocko is how intense he is and, and disciplined, and, and, you know, when he puts his name on something, you, you know, you're going to get, a I think, a good product, and and this is something that's full of B, you know, B vitamins and a little bit of caffeine, and, you know, I take one every morning, and, you know, it gives me a little get-go instead of maybe a coffee, and so um, I think Jocko Go is a, a good product, and, you know, cool. I think uh, and a lot of my friends, like, to, when they come over, they like to grab one of these on the go as well, so so I, I think they're working just fine. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I've never, I mean, I've seen the, um, you know, energy drinks before. We've had energy drinks here, Seth. Seth yeah. likes the Red Bull Blueberry. Yeah. Um, I just usually stick to dark rose coffee. However, I agree with you. That's kind of cool that Jocko uh, puts his name on it. Now, why, why is that important for somebody to actually put their name on a product
2: what 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 is goes in with all that well I, I think it's going to come down to re, you know really trust and, and credibility you mm-hmm. know the you know the guy has a lot of credibility as a leader serving in the military for i think approximately 20 years and you know he's run his own podcast he, he's wrote a couple books and and i think having you know really trust in his name and he, when he says he's going to do something, he's going to follow through. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's one great mark of a great leader is having that credibility. You know, a lot of products out there are, are uh, I'm not going to say phony, uh, but they're not, you know, some of these things aren't regulated, you know, but yeah. um, I really think, you know, Jocko stamping his name on something. I really think it's going to be a good product and, and I enjoy it. And, and some it takes replaces you know, the coffee. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, I've, you know, when my friends come over, they're always grabbing one to go because because I get them shipped to me you know every other week. So um, I, I think the credibility of his name you know means a lot and and same thing with us if we're we're gonna stamp our name on something it better have some meaning behind it or a greater purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that's that's such a cool concept. You know, um, Jesus speaks about name. Um, he says, "Whatever you ask in my name, I will I will provide for you or give to you." And a lot of people take those verses out of context. They think just if I pray and ask anything, that God's going to give me that thing, like Rolls Royce, right? But it's the name that's so important. And if you go back and study what that means, the name is the lifestyle. So you're praying in the same vein of how Jesus would pray. And so when he says, if you pray anything in my name, then you're going to pray in the same character of how Jesus prayed. And a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. In um, Proverbs, looking at the Old Testament, I think it's what twenty two one. I think that's the verse. Um, we'll, we'll put it in the in the um, comments below. But the the author says a a good name is more desirable than great riches. And it's so funny because at first reading, everybody thinks it's like whoa, you know, your name, but it's not. The name is your your reputation. So your, your reputation is greater than great riches. And I'm sure we could sit here and swap stories, right, mm-hmm. forever about people who may have a lot um, of, of monetary things, but their reputation is is, is
2: bad and you don't want to do business with them mm-hmm. or or live life with them. That's right. You know, Seth and I were actually talking a little bit about this when before you walked in about, you know, we we're talking about an author, you know, Jordan Peterson and some of the principles and and so what I try to live by is it really about being the best version of myself and, and not being so focused on what the other person has or what you know what you know how big of a house or a car and, and you know one example i mean somebody's always going to have a bigger bigger house someone's always going to have a more expensive car and if you're you know people that own jets somebody's going to have a bigger jet you know so really the focus is try to keep it on you know myself and being the best version and doing things the right way you know on and off the field to be a great leader because that can make a longer lasting impact no one's really going to remember the the type of vehicle i drove long down the road but if we can make an impact like jesus did it's gonna it's gonna last for a long time and you you can leave a legacy that way
1: Mm -hmm. so it seems like we have a lot to talk about i know you have a really cool background of, of um with coaching and and leading but do us a favor for those who do not know you why don't you tell us about yourself
2: Yeah, I grew up in in Mercer County, and I'm I'm very proud of being part of the Shenango Valley. And, you know, I I went to grade school at St. Joseph's Catholic School, you know, really from kindergarten through eighth grade. And then then ninth grade, I I went to Reynolds High School, local public school, having living and transfer. And. And, and made a lot of close friends and connections from the valley from those days growing up in Sharon and spending a lot of time down here. So uh, some of those connections still last today. And you know, and a big part of my life was football. And, and for whatever reason, it was it was my escape from from even tough times. It sure. was it was it was the one place where I I really felt normal, sure. where I can get on the field and and just be myself. You know, and so I, whatever reason, I don't know why, I don't know if that was from, from watching. Uh, my father didn't play football. You know, my grandfather did, but he, he was long past before I was even born. And, you know, my older brothers played football. But there's something about the game I just fell in love with right away. And, and I loved going to practices and and loved hitting and tackling and, and throwing the football around. And, and you know, it just kind of grew up, became a huge part of me. And it, and it lasted well, it's still going on today. <laughs> so
1: when you got on the field, um, did you have a switch? I know a lot of athletes talk about having a switch where just something overtakes them, overcomes them, and they just, they get, you know, they see red, and they just get super um, uh, into whatever they're doing. Did you have that? Were you all in?
2: Well, that's—I'm not really sure. There's there's a couple of different ways the answer. That I think of, you know, I was just always excited. I remember to when I got dropped off for practice, I just remember being excited just to get out there and, and run around. And but there wasn't—I did have an aggression side of me that did like tackling and hitting. And 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 some people some people don't when they play this game. So uh, I, I don't know if I'd call it a switch. It's just I enjoyed every aspect of the game of football hmm. and you know not just being with the teammates but people going go out there and you know and I loved I loved hitting and tackling and I was an aggressive you know type player so uh, when I got on the defensive side of the ball you could probably say there was a switch there and, and maybe a different mentality where you know you went to hit and hit hard and and, and make the guy feel it and, and then you know then pick him up afterwards and pat him on the butt but um, it was just a great feeling being on the football field and in you know through through luck and or however it happened even through some adversity, um I wound up in coaching because that was never really my intent
1: huh. did you play football I did
2: yeah. all through school
0: I played in grade school when I lived in Lancaster. PA. I also played in high school in St. Louis. I did not play. with is what I was telling him. I did not play for Newcastle because I like playing for fun. Mm-hmm. And kids in Newcastle do not play for fun. They play for like murder ball. <laughs> they like they they. It's like Friday Night Lights. And, and I just was looking at some of those guys. and I'm like, yep, nope. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. But I played for pretty much most of my like school, except with the exception of my last two years in high school.
1: Yeah. What position?
0: I was center on offense, I was linebacker
1: on defense. Middle linebacker? Yeah. Wow. I loved it. Wow. I loved it. So did you enjoy like coach or hitting people and doing all that? I the thing I loved
0: about sports was I loved the camaraderie of it all. Like and especially with me as a kid who grew who grew up moving around a lot. It no matter where you went, there was there was a football team that, and that was like the fastest way for you to make 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 friends. So I like that. I, I it, the some like the aggressiveness sometimes like took me back a bit because especially I had one I had one coach in in Lancaster. He um, I I don't know if he played pro or what, but he just like you talk about the switch. Mm-hmm. He was that like real like nice gentle like father guy, and then like there would like be a switch that he would just switch, and then he would be like a drill sergeant. Right. And uh, but it was always yeah it was it was always fun.
1: Cool. <laughs> I'm just curious. Why? I
0: don't know.
1: Oh. You don't strike me as the football type. Yeah, I know. I loved I love football. I also did, did track too.
0: I was a discus and shot put thrower. He didn't know any of this about me?
1: You probably told me one point but but <laughs> I what didn't I do care. Is, I didn't care and I blocked it out. It's right. I just blocked it out. It's right, at least you're
2: honest. <laughs> let's you know? let,
1: let's kick it back over here to coach. So how how long have you been a a, a coach at Teal?
2: Well, this will be Oh, I'm entering, entering my second, you know, fall. I, I guess I would call it, you know, a season. But we, our season has been canceled, which I can touch on. But this would be my 19th year of coaching. You know, 18 at the college level, one at the high school level, and and every year we get excited for fall, and it's just a different feeling, and 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 the players coming back, and and the coaches, and in in fall, it just has a different feeling for it, but. You know, this year, as we as we all know, that, you know, at, all, at least a lot of the small colleges around the country have, have canceled or postponed you know, football so that we will have, we will not have fall football, you know, in 2020. And, and we're we're optimistic for a spring season in 2021. And and, you know, we're trying to find the, the advantages in it. And this is an opportunity to grow and learn. You know, from, uh, we have a very young football team that's hungry and energetic and full of quality young leaders. But uh, we still got to get bigger, stronger, and faster, too. So this could be an opportunity for us to improve that way. You know, because our first year, we, you know, we got the doors blown off on us as, as we're kind of growing a new program and culture. Hmm. Before I got to Teal, you know, I spent the previous, you know, really 11 and a half years at Albright College out in eastern Pennsylvania, you know, north of Philadelphia in Berks County and, mm-hmm. and had such a positive and, and great experience there. Uh, not just with, you know, we had a lot of success on the field, and yeah, but it was a lot, of, a lot of meaningful relationships that last today. And that's really what it comes down to is, is building the relationships.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Very cool. 19 years, you've been coaching for 19 yeah. years. How has coaching changed, not just for you, Okay, but also just in general, how has the landscape changed over that? Let's just call it twenty years because let's just round up.
2: Yeah, you know, I'd say the the kids are the kids are different. Uh, I would say I'd say they're just as good. They're better. They're they're tremendous, you know, human beings, and they're stronger and just as athletics. But the way you coach them has changed. You know, back when I was younger in the younger days of coaching, boy, you could be really really tough on somebody and really get after them and. And and the kids could handle it, and they would they would accept it. And mm-hmm. So they, they would they would respond. They would respond. Hmm. They would respond to it. And nowadays, I think more, you know, more so, they want to understand why they're doing something. Hmm. Not so much you could still coach them hard, but they want to understand why they're doing something. They want to, you know, and I believe they want to make sure you you, you care about them first as people. Hmm. And I think that is important. And and I and I, I, I saw that transition where you know, where I was, you know, coach guys really tough and they responded. And then and then somewhere in the middle, there's, there was a change where some guys drifted away and, and maybe we lost them or I lost them. And, and, uh, and other ones, they start to learn, you know, hey, I, I got to adapt to this change and mm-hmm. help them understand. And, and, and once, once they know you care about them and, and touch their hearts and then, then you can coach them any way you want, mm-hmm. you know, but that's a really important and lesson for us and my staff is, and, and it's really hard to get after a guy and him respond unless he truly knows you care about him deep down mm. you know, so that's been a big, big change so I wouldn't say it's it's better or worse, but I, you know it, it is an effective way now and in, in, you know it's you know football and it's aggression and uh, but we do talk about touching their hearts
1: mm-hmm. and this is this is coach talk you know quote unquote so in other words, there's other coaches are rubbing shoulders and you this is the norm now. You know, touching hearts and, and and reaching them before, you know, before uh, they know how much you 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 know they need to know that you care. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. So that's the norm.
2: It is, and and you know, and I even say, you know, back in the you know twenty years ago, that was that was still the same, but you know, the you know the response is much different. You know, right. so people don't know how they don't care how much you know they know how much you care, and I still think that stood the test of time, but I think more so now young men do want to understand you know why are we doing this you know does he care about me as a person Hmm. and and those things are much more important and have moved up the you know i I would say you know how important it is to coach a guy
1: Hmm. that's fascinating you know you think about uh, it's a football field
2: you know it's the gridiron
1: it's the it's Hmm. guys getting out there and being guys but that relationship's so important so much of of what you're talking about is is uh contained in the word and the idea of influence tell us a little bit about your influences kind of who they were and um and what are the qualities that that were impressed upon you through them
2: you know I, I can even start with my youth coaches um you know they all had a great impact on me I had always had just maybe it's because I just loved the game so much I had tremendous respect and and you know going back to my peewee and midget days was, they were they coached us hot tough and hard and and old school style and hmm. uh, but but at the end of the day and i think back you know they did care about us and they cared about us as people and and uh, and we had a, you know we had a lot of success growing up as a, as a young player and and so my football coaches were a big impact on my life and you know going up through high school and you know coach shofe and coach Shabeto who's who's a superintendent at Reynolds, you know, he was my coach and, you know, coach Amato has been around the area for a long, long time. And it was even a reason I ended up at Teal college, you know, so my, my football coaches always had some sort of impact, even the ones I didn't connect with there, there was usually something about them that was positive. And, you know, my probably my right. biggest influence was my previous boss or head coach and friend, John Marska. He's, you know, he's an eerie guy and we, we coached together, I, I served under him at Teal College back in our glory days, and and then I served under him as an assistant for eleven years at Albright College, sure. and I learned so much from him when it comes to leadership and making an impact and developing a program. That that's what ultimately helped me get ready for this position.
1: So speaking of leadership, what you know that's the buzzword everyone talks about it. Tell me what qualities or characteristics tell us what goes into leadership when you say leadership
2: what are you meaning that's a very good question and it comes back to defining what does leadership mean and and to us and to me leadership is influence nothing more nothing less and that was taken from john maxwell you know Mm -hmm. he, he wrote many books and you know on leadership but that's really his definition that we have kind of grown accustomed to you know if you have influence you are a leader and in our case, we want it to be in a positive way, and, but and certainly in some cases there are, there are influential people that do things the wrong way. Hmm. So certainly we want to lead them lead them down the right path. And so, but if you have if you have influence, you are a leader. Hmm. And really and it comes down to we, we've developed really, you know, building off of you know John Maxwell, you know the C's of leadership, and, and it's expanded to really five C's, and and starts off with number one is is credibility. Hmm. Is setting a great example. You know, sure. you know. I always think of Ralph Waldo Emerson's quote: "You know, your actions speak so loud I can hardly hear what you're saying." Oh, that's good. You know, that's a it's um, idea. yeah. Right. So credibility is number one, and you know, people can see what you do. You know, you know, and sometimes it's not, not always what you say. And so, um, you know, how are you conducting yourself?
1: And so, what's so funny is we we go back to the very beginning of our show, speaking of putting. Joko, how do you say his name? Joko, Jocko. I don't. If he hears this, sorry, I know he can beat me up. Jocko Willink puts his name on something. Well, what's that about? It's about credibility. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, you know you're going to get a quality product because he would not put his name on that, mm-hmm. right? So. So the first C is credibility. Now, are you going to run through the rest of them? You got them uh, yeah, down I Yeah,
2: I, I would like to. All because, right, do it because this is something that I, I believe. I believe our country needs more developed leaders, yeah. and I can make my impact with you know eighty-three of them. You know, plus another seven, eight coaches. So, uh, I might be not be able to do it with with millions of people, but if I can influence eighty-five of them. Um, you know, so we teach these things to our team at a different rate. And the second C is, is, you know, uh, all great leaders are, they're effective communicators. So we say communication is the second C, but you know, that goes further. It's, it's about communicating in a a positive and effective manner. All right. So it's, you know, it's not just communicating and, and talking to you. It's, it's, it's positively and effectively. And, you know, look, it's. If it's just sheer flattery and I'm just giving you all the good stuff all the time and everything's rah-rah and it's utopia, okay, that's positive. Okay, but that's not necessarily effective either, yeah. you know. So it's positive and effective. So we talk about effective as timing of message. Very
1: cool. So your timing, and now here's how I hear this, and I like it, but the Bible speaks of speaking the truth in love. So you have... um. The, the the love is the positive caring thoughtfulness but the truth is the timing or uh, the truth is the i guess the sometimes the hard truth right uh communicating effectively but and, and tell me if you guys agree or disagree what i have seen is that most people tend to want to do one or the other and you can't do one or the other you have to somehow do both but that makes communi- communication much more difficult and much more complex as a leader because you want to say, you know, sit down, right? But you're like, okay, I need to then tether that with love. And so it becomes much more difficult. However, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, if you can be the kind of person that's thoughtful, I feel like, like your communication goes way further if you can bring
2: the two together. There's there's no question. You know, with, with effectiveness, it's it's... You know, timing, it's, you know, right, you know, wrong, wrong message at the wrong time, uh, you're going to have disaster, you know, and, and, you know, right message at the right time, you're going to have success, you know, Uh, you know, right message at the wrong time, you're going to have resistance, you know, so it's all it all depends on the situation you're in, you know, if somebody's in a dangerous situation, uh, you might need to kind of get after him and set the tone a little bit you might need to leave the positive part out. You know, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's the timing of it, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, if something dangerous is going on, the sideline, helmets are down, guys are, are running over there, and, you know, you might have to get after some guys. It's, that might not be a very positive message, but I, but the effectiveness of the, and the timing of it is important. So um, that's how we view, you know, the communication aspect. It's, it's a positive and effective communicator It's not always it's not the guy that stands on the table and says, Say, look at me and and thumps his chest. Mm. You know. All right, I like it. So far we got credibility, we got communication and next compassion. Compassion. Caring deeply about helping other people. You know, and, and where the where this comes from, you know, for us is it's really about serving others. You know, it's a lot of times, it's you know that's why we talk about civic duty or community service, and and I think true compassion isn't just giving your time to someone else because you don't know what frame of, of reference or or the lens they're working through. It's it could be for it could be for advertisement, it could be for notability, publicity, getting in the newspaper for it. You know, true compassion is about you know helping others who can give you nothing in return. You know, so that's why we feel that community service is very important, and serving our local community and doing certain things, you know, programs that we do, mm-hmm. because oftentimes some, you know, those people, there's, there's really nothing, there's nothing in, re- our, our reward is internal satisfaction that mm-hmm. that we help someone else, mm-hmm. we, we made the community a better place, you know, we've done things, we, every year we go up to the, you know St. Paul's nursing home and do a, basically a prom style or dance themed, um, you know, with the residents there, we take mm-hmm. our whole team up and. Uh, they have uh, you know dinner and you know and, and sit with the sit with the folks there and and to me the first year I did it it was it was like oh that's kind of neat but I didn't realize the impact it made because you know almost every one of those those residents wrote a letter to our team and wow. you know how how important it was for them and and the outreach of the community afterwards was I wouldn't say it was overwhelming but it was very very positive and that really showed me how important it is for community. You know, going helping out at the Good Shepherd Center, you know, sometimes when they're understaffed. And, you know, so it's it's compassion. It's, it's helping other people. And, and oftentimes, it's it's especially when they can give you nothing back in return. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Don't need to see it in the newspaper. Don't need, need a reward for it. I think
0: what it, what's kind of uh, interesting is we we're talking about compassion right, right after the communication part. And you raised a really, really good question, which is, you know, you need to speak the truth. All, but also in love, and I think when you do have compassion, and you do, you are the kind of person where you don't really have to think about caring for or loving the other person. When it comes to those situations, you're going to be more you're, you're going to be more able to speak the truth in love because you do love the person, you do have compassion for the person. That person sees how much you care. So when it does come to a a, a time or a moment. We have to give a hard truth. You have to be stern. You have to be tough on them. It may not be well-received at first, but that person at the end of the day knows that you deeply care about them, mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have gotten that upset if you didn't care about them. And At least for me, thinking about my, my, my own dad, who's kind of like a coach, um, and then just all the coaches I had in football, the ones who really got through me the most, even when they had to say something harsh um, or even like you're even like you as my, my boss, my mentor, is anytime you've ever had to be harsh or stern with me, my, my immediate reaction is you know is to kind of recoil from that. But I know that people like you and my dad have a deep care for me and you wouldn't be doing that. If you didn't care, mm-hmm. so I so I, th- I think if you're trying if you're trying to speak the truth in love, but you don't really have the compassion, you don't really have that care, mm-hmm. then one people are going to notice that you're being fake. You can't fake compassion. You can't yeah. fake that. Um, and to me, I think personally, that's why a lot of people who want to be leaders don't succeed is because
1: they're trying to force it rather than just let it. Mm-hmm. That's well said. That's an excellent point. So it's like the context of knowing. I know this person cares and loves for me, and at first I might want to punch them in the face. But I know that they're trying to help me. They're seeing something in me that could be even better. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's so crazy because um, you and I met, Coach and I met one time before we had coffee. But it's so crazy to talk about this on the football field because this is a natural conversation for someone like Seth and I, or if you're listening, if you're in a ministry setting, Mm -hmm. like this is our bread and butter. This is what we're going to school for. This is this is exactly who we are. What we're about. These are the things that we're spending time talking about. And it's amazing to hear, you know, the head football coach talk about the importance of these things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm glad. I think it's yeah. great. But it's it's just a, such a neat um, turn uh, in in our interview that we're talking about this. I like it.
2: Yeah. Well, and the thing, the thing about you know truth is build off what he he said. Is we talk about all the time is. That there's never a good time to tell a line there's never a bad time to tell the truth mm. and people may not like when you're telling them the truth because it might be something harsh but they'll respect it mm. i think deep down if you're honest with people and telling them the truth they'll respect them you know, like you said sometimes they may want to punch you you know and you hope they they hold back and <laughs> i haven't been punched yet and uh That's but good. um but yeah, I think you know, it kind of builds off of your point there with with telling the truth, and and that comes into that's one of our team roles. I have two team roles, and one of them is always tell the truth. Hmm. You know, can you say that quote one more time? Never what? There's never a good time to tell a lie, uh-huh. and there's never a bad time to tell the truth.
1: That's a sermon right there. Well, yeah, I'm gonna rip all these five points off. This this is <laughs> Maxwell.
2: Yeah, but right. the first the first three were Maxwell and, and Coach Marska, my mentor, really you know started developing the other two okay. through and and what we kind of really Cut. studied in the offseason. Got it. So, so it's
1: kind of a con- con- how do you say that word conglomerate? Yeah,
2: of of different qualities. And, and Coach would even tell you, me take this through principles of Jesus Christ. I mean, he recruited twelve disciples, and mm-hmm. and it was a recruit and development plan much like we're implementing our program. You know, without going, you know, steering away because I want to jump into the leadership, but our program plan is called Recruit and Develop, hmm. you know. Uh, but one of the things that you said is, is, I mean, we're really trying to develop more and better quality leaders. So when they go out and graduate four years and go on to be productive members of society, they can make an impact in their church, their homes, their communities. You know? I love it. I like it too. All right, recap. So we got credibility, we got
1: communication, we got compassion.
2: Uh, the fourth one is is interesting because <clears throat> I think we think in order to be a great leader, you got to be a great follower first. And I don't think you just you know start leading. And I felt I became when I became ready to become a head coach is because I was a, I was a great follower for for several years. You know, I didn't always agree with maybe what my boss wanted. Uh, but once we made a plan and put made a decision and you know I supported it hmm. and whether I liked it or not and it was, it was the best interest of the team. So I think an important part of becoming a leader is you have to be a great follower first and and by practicing those first three C's, that gives you the confidence to lead because hmm. not everyone wants to be a leader. Mm-hmm. They, they or, really or should be or or should be.
1: <laughs> so confidence is the next four. Confidence. You had me nervous there. I was like, "Wait, three C's and then F as
2: follower." Like, we got <laughs> we got to turn into no. It's, it's, this into it's like- confidence, <laughs> you know. But in order in order to be a great leader, you got to be a great follower first. And and that and by practicing those first three C's mm. and becoming a great follower, you develop confidence, mm-hmm. you know. And that's really where I started taking off. I, I believe it was somewhere between 2013 and 16. I think when I developed a purpose and greater understanding, is then my confidence took off because I I knew why I was here. I knew why I believe I was put on this earth to coach college football, um, and it's more than just playing the game. Yeah, we we're gonna go out. We're we're gonna strive to be a championship level program, and we'll get there. Uh, but if we're not creating better leaders and young men that are going on to doing, mm-hmm. then championships do not matter. Rings do not matter. You know, so these are some of the qualities we're teaching, you know, but confidence is an important one. And then Mm. I'll I'll jump in the last one real quick, because uh, this is one I think I need to most work on and and most leaders probably do. But I guess I could only speak for myself is the consistency, Mm. consistently practicing Mm. these other four C's of credibility, communication, compassion, confidence, being consistent. Is when you're consistent, people are going to trust you. You know, just thinking about the guy walking down the hall, you know, and one day he says hello, the next day he says hello, then, then, then the next day after that he either ignores you or says something vulgar to you, and he, he was inconsistent. You're not sure what you're going to get out of them. Hmm. You know, when the storm comes, how how is he going to respond? And hmm. and I think for me, early on in my career, I, I didn't handle those situations very well. I was very inconsistent. Hmm. Be ups and downs through the roller coasters of emotions, through adversity, and I believe I've I've gotten a lot better in that area. Is that when the adversity strikes, I can become more consistent, be able to sit back and 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 reflect. Just like my old boss is great at that. During the you know biggest cases of adversity we face, he's just relaxed in his office, and I know inside he's probably feeling it, but he's he was consistent. Hmm. You know, so that's the fifth C. Is consistency.
1: Here's why I think that's super critical. Because once you're out doing the first four over time, credibility, communication, compassion, confidence, that becomes about over time doing things out there. So, okay, we're going to work on compassion. Let me look what's happening out in the community. Oh, there's a great place. We're going to plug in the teams there. We did it. Five is important because that always circles back to you as the individual, and it's about self reflection. It keeps you accountable so i I think that's super important because as 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 a failing of leaders is that you're always focused out there right and I know Gandhi said, uh be the change you want to see in the world, right It starts with you and ends with you, and so um you're now taking credibility, communication, compassion, and confidence. And you're saying, am I those things? Because we have a tendency, it's just natural when you're working with others to try to continually develop these things in others. And we forget about ourselves. Whereas the last one, I like that it's built into the five. It's not four things. And then, hey, by the way, guys, we need to think about ourselves here. It's literally built right into the five C's. Mm -hmm. See, I'm already prepared for my sermon. I got it ready. I'm locked and loaded, baby. This (laughs) may be a two-week series. I'll be quoting yeah. Coach Mike. You can just come here and stand in the background.
2: I'll say, what was I, I lo-
1: the third seat I... <laughs> <laughs>
2: But, you know, I'll quiz, especially our upperclassmen, our leadership council, I'll, I'll quiz these guys on it and, and a lot of times in front of recruits and parents because it's it's that important. And, and the older ones get it and they, they can recite them and, you know, but when they really start living them, that's where you're really going to see a lot of success. And and we do have some really tremendous young leaders who are doing things the right way. And that's going to help our program through this university you know, we're facing, you know, let's call it now. These, most, a lot of these young men have never had a fall without football since they were mm-hmm. in the single digits, you know, seven, eight years old. Yeah. And some of them are very, very upset and frustrated, and and you know we're going to try to make this our advantage. And, and a big part of it not just going to fall on me as a leader, but my leadership council consisting of eight young quality men who who are going to help serve their teammates and help us ride through this storm, you know that we're going through because this is this is a big part of their lives. Mm-hmm. It's kind of to, to bring up
0: Jocko again. Um, Jocko has that. Um, Little, it's like a little clip from one of his podcasts. It's called "Good." I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yes. So when you were say you we were talking about that, you know, we can't play football in the fall. Good, you know, we have time to develop, but you know, just. I just watched that video
1: again last night. It's, that's such a good good video, especially for our time right now. Can you tease that out? I have not watched it, but I'm guessing some folks out there just if you can briefly just tease that out. like what is that about? So I actually I'll, I'll put the link down in the show notes so people can it's, it's well
0: worth your time. It's just a little little clip and it's basically him talking about the fact that um, at one time one of his employees would always come to him with a, with a problem and Jocko would always respond with good. And it got to the point where this employee of his or coworker, whoever it was, got like frustrated with him. He said, "Why is it every time I come to you with a problem, you always respond as good?" He said, "Because no matter what you go through, no matter what you experience, if you can say the word good about it and find the good in it, then that means you're still alive. That means that you that you you still can can push through." So he he gives some examples. He's like, "Uh, you know." Didn't get the job you wanted. Good. You have time to find something else that's better, that's better suited for you. Didn't get the equipment you wanted. Good. You can find something that's better. Uh, something tragic happened to you. Good. Now you can use that as your story to help other people. Yeah. So, in like, just when you watch it, by the end of it, you just, you, you know, you feel like a freight train mm-hmm. because you begin to realize there's really nothing that can come our way that we can't somehow look and say, good, I can use it for something else. And
1: isn't that, isn't perspective so important, Mm -hmm. right? Because good, yeah, you're still alive. You could, maybe that wasn't the best thing to come your way. So maybe uh, there's something better. Or, you know, one of my, one of my lines, and I think it's Jim Rohn that says this, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. Yeah. And so it puts the, the, um, you know, the burden on you, Right. To say, okay, how could I have changed things or how can I change things going forward? And I can I could attest to having that attitude has made me better in a thousand different areas. That if I didn't have that attitude, um, you know, I, I would never be where I'm sitting right now. But look, self-reflecting and having it start with you. How can I tweak? How can I get better? How can I change things? It's so important.
2: We talk about the two things that we can control. All day, every day, is our attitude and our effort. Mm-hmm. You know, having a great attitude through the face of adversity, through tough times, like he said, finding finding the good or the silver lining. Hey, we don't have a football season. Good, we need to get bigger and stronger. We're so mm-hmm. young. That's this cool. is a great opportunity for us. Um, effort. I mean, really, if we're gonna, if they're running a race or getting time, I, I could tie their arm and leg together. They can still give great effort. Mm-hmm. It might not be as fast. It might not be the most efficient way. You know, But these are things they, that they have internal control over, uh-huh. their what attitude the, and their effort.
1: Attitude and effort. I heard a sermon once, and I don't remember exactly the exact details, but I'll, I'll never forget the sermon title. The sermon title was called In the Meantime, and it was based off of when Jesus died and resurrected mm-hmm. and his disciples were out fishing. It was something like that, and I don't remember exactly. This is when I was like a senior in high school. And the preacher kept on saying over and over and over, it's what they did in the meantime. Uh-huh. Like they didn't know Jesus was, I think it was when he was cooking fish. And like they didn't know he was there. And he kept on saying, it's what these guys did in the meantime, from the time that he died to the time that he rose again. You know, And he kept mm-hmm. on hammering that point. It's in the meantime. It's in the meantime. Well, in the meantime of the cancellation of football, you can control your attitude and your effort. You can get bigger, faster, and stronger. We kind of took that approach here. that's yeah. why we're sitting in this studio we this whole thing was a, a new vision. one thing led to an ex a, another and um man, it just we just piggybacked off of ideas and kept running with it. We had a supportive church and and a group of elders, and we made it happen We did it's it's the meantime
2: that's what crazy. can you control you know you I mean you we hit it right on the head, focus on things you can't control if you focus on things you can't control I mean you're gonna drive yourself crazy you're gonna you're gonna, you know, beat yourself up over the little things. Uh-huh. You know, so you know, that's what we talk about, you know, focus on the process. You know, what do you gotta to do to get what do we gotta to do to get better today? Why are we so worried about tomorrow? Why why are you worried about next week, the month after? Uh, there's nothing wrong with you know having a vision and planning ahead, but what do we gotta to do to get better today as a person uh-huh. or a student or a football player or even to be a great teammate? You know, and, and be better tomorrow. And you've heard me say this before, Anthony. I said, hey, be the best version of yourself today. Yeah. And then tomorrow, change your best. Don't stay the same. You know, every tree on God's green earth is either growing or dying. Not mm. one of them are staying the same. Mm. And it's just, so are we. So we're either going to get a little bit better today or a little bit worse. We're, we're like not that. staying the same. That's for absolutely certain. Yeah.
0: One of my favorite, favorite TV shows of all time is, um, Try to get Anthony to watch it. It's uh It's called Peaky Blinders. I don't know if you've ever watched it. I've heard of it. I, I've, never, I've never. So watched the it. main character Tommy Shelby. He's. I, I guess he's historically a real guy, but in the show, it's like every. No matter what anyone does to him, he always comes out on top. Like it, it does not matter. Like every time you think he's been defeated, he comes out on top. And I watched a YouTube video. It was about like why is it why does why why is Tommy Shelby so incredibly smart? And when they broke it down, it was life changing for me was he said, it's not that he's one step ahead of everyone else. It's the fact that everything that happens, he uses it to his, to his advantage. So everyone else, when something bad happens, they feel like, okay, I'm defeated. This is the end. He looks at it and he says, okay, this is like a chess piece that I have now the ability to use to do whatever, whether it be a failure, whether it be a mistake, like he can use it. And that's how he always comes out on top, is because he is doing the one thing that no one else wants to do, and that is to use everything for their advantage. Now, to bring this up, I have one question is we talk about failures. What is, if you can tell us a time where you either tried something and failed or made a mistake that you've learned from and it has made you a better coach and a better person?
2: there's there's one that comes to mind because it's a former player and and we actually speak on almost a daily basis through text message um, you know the group chat with a number of my former players one of my former players by the name of Matt DiGiacomo from Philadelphia was a you know, tough hard-nosed kid from Philly little undersized but just very passionate about football very strong and gave great effort and, and I remember one of the hardest moments was he was a junior I believe and he, he got demoted. Um, and I took that old school approach and and I remember bringing him to my office and, and, and really sitting him down and, you know, demoting him and, you know, looking him in the eye and telling him the truth. And, and I think I could have been more compassionate as a leader. It was just, I presented it to him. Yeah. Moving on the depth chart, you got to get better here. And, you know, and he was he was visibly upset, and I'll never forget it because him you know, sitting in my in my office, and and I didn't take into account what he's going through. I didn't put I didn't put myself into his shoes, mm-hmm. and and he I don't know if he had he would ever quit, but I did lose him for a few days mentally, you know, maybe even a few weeks, mm-hmm. where I think I could have done a better job really lifting him up and and leading him a little bit better, and. Eventually he kinda of came out of out of this show and and we probably had some talks further down the road that and he ended up having to, you know, finish the season probably as a starter that year. I can so long ago. But he ended up becoming an all conference player the next year and very reliable and dependable and just, just a great human being and family. And I remember and even some of my older players I was close with told me how you know, they even kinda of got on me a little bit and as, that's how close I was with them. They weren't afraid to challenge me a little bit. We almost lost him. A great player, a great kid, and Mm. and and I and it made me think right there. There's, there's, it's not always a a one size fits all approach. You know, I don't have to just glare at every guy in the eye and and tell them you either got to get better or you're not going to play. It's, Mm. it's I you know I got to to be a little more compassionate in certain situations and help them understand what you got to do to get better. And, And thankfully, we didn't lose him because he was an important part of our team's success. And, and you know, to finish and we and i love the guy to this day and and we talk or, or communicate on almost literally a daily basis that's cool you know, for the last seven eight years and, That's cool and uh but that was one but i almost dropped the ball because that was a, he's a great human being and and you know, forget about him being a good player but the situation i handled very poorly mm-hmm. you know i didn't you know i didn't cuss him out or anything but i just I didn't show enough compassion for the situation that, because mm. he loved football so much, taking away a young man's starting job is it's probably a lot like a breakup. Mm. You know, very hard and been like a you know, very broken hearted and and upset and and he and because of great character, I mean, he responded in spite of me, mm. and he ended up finishing the season well and became a you know full time starter and was an all conference player the next year. You know, so um, that was one instance that really jumps out at me right away. Hmm. And so I have one more question and that is, so if,
0: let's say you, um, if someone came up to you and they wanted to get into the field that you're, that you're in and they, they're looking at you and they're, they're saying, I want to do what you do. What advice would you give them as far as how to get there, what not to do, what would you tell them?
2: If they don't feel it in their heart that it's a calling,
0: Hmm.
2: you know, really making this, you know, growing up and and loving football all the way through, I thought maybe I would coach high school football possibly, but I knew I'd have to hold some other position such as a teacher. Hmm. I I didn't know until in my 20s, early 20s, that I could actually make this a profession. Hmm. And And it really kind of took me looking at corporate America out of college, you know. I was graduating, I looked at uh, the world's largest IT staffing firm, and and my brother had it was uh, had a connection there, and I really liked the company, and they were young former athletes, and they made a lot of money, and and I said this is pretty cool, and hmm. the guy there, I can't remember his name, but I still remember him sitting next to me and saying, uh, I said, look, I have a, my my old head coach offered me as long as I graduate, I can be an intern coach, and you know. Coach full-time, you know, making very little money, living in a dorm room, eating cafeteria food. And and the guy says to me, I'm sitting next to him, he goes, what would you do if you won the lottery? And I thought it was some trick question at 23, <laughs> yeah, maybe 23, 24, I thought, yeah, what kind of question is this? And and he said, it's not a trick question. It's, it's, he says if he won the lottery, he said he would quit his job and he would coach his son's youth soccer team. And, grow. Mm. and I, I looked at him, I said, it's easy. I would coach football. You know, and I kind of had an aha moment, and I wanted to leave right there. I said, I knew, okay. I knew right then and there. I, I want to be a college coach. I want to make this a career, and, and and it's been more than that. It's it's been a profession. I'm I'm an educator. It's just you know my my classroom is 120 yards long and 53 and a third yards you know wide. As, yeah. as I'm educating these young men, and I'm just using the game of football to teach some of these principles and life lessons that will last a lifetime. <laughs> So uh my advice would be to a young man is it, it's gotta be a calling, it's gotta be something they feel inside because it, it is a lot of hours, it is very time consuming, it's it's very rewarding as well. Hmm. But you put in massive amount of times, you know, not just coaching during the year, but recruiting almost year round. You know, so there's whether it be travel involved or whatnot, so you gotta have a calling that this is what you wanna do for life because those the first five, six years are very, very tough as you start to move the ladder from intern to moving up a level or position, you know, eventually maybe becoming a coach or a coordinator. A lot, cool. a lot of long hours and late, late nights that, that a lot of people don't really understand about the profession. Very rewarding, you know, but uh, a lot of work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> two quick
1: questions, two really quick answers, all right? give the audience uh historically one coach and currently one coach just give us some names of who you, who just were the best they excel they're just the pinnacle uh, professionally
2: well you know everyone you know everyone knows you know bill belichick and nick saban seem to be on just a different level of elite you know and and yeah, they found a way to do it on a consistent basis and they've created a culture and environment that just breeds success. And uh-huh. you know, so those are two that really just jump out, I think, in, in everyone's mind. And currently, currently, now who's historically? You know, I, I historically, I kind of jumped to maybe one of my, you know, one of my kind of, he's really an assistant for me now. I served under him. Uh, Coach Jack Leepheimer. You know, Coach Leep is a Teal alum. Um, He actually coached my brother in college at Allegheny. And, you know, Coach Leep was a longtime assistant there. Had a lot of success, won a national championship, recruited and coached my brother for four years, who had a great career. And and then Coach Leep came to Teal, and that's when I started coaching was under him. So I learned a lot of great principles and values under Coach Leep. You know, and then Coach Marska, who's currently coaching – you know, so we had a lot of success at Teal in 05, and, and then Coach Leap, coached a few more years, You know, reti- became the athletic director, then retired. And then when I took the job, I went right to him to see if he'd want to be <laughs> any part on my staff, whatever mm-hmm. he wanted to do. So historically, I, I, I don't have a lot of reference or understanding of maybe some of the backgrounds, but, but Coach Leapheimer is certainly a, a big one awesome. you know, for me. Uh,
1: anything you'd like to leave the audience with about yourself or um, just general
2: principle or the uh, teal tomcats yeah yeah i do i want to you know i'm going to talk a little bit about myself a little bit here because you know there's a point you know maybe 10 years ago eight years ago i wasn't sure what direction my career was going going and you know maybe you didn't you know have quality leadership skills and 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 doing the right things. And and once I found my purpose and understanding, why am I here? I think oftentimes from, you know, those young kids from 18 to, say, 25, they don't really think of it that way, and and, and maybe some do, you know, more so now. But really finding your purpose is important in whatever profession you're doing or choose to go Uh, because once you understand your purpose, Boy, you know, things really accelerate and take off. You stop worrying about external factors. You stop worrying about things outside your control. And and I can't remember what year and when when and how it happened, uh, but I finally developed what is my purpose. And I said this to you before, Anthony. But it's it's real simple. I define it as my basically my own purpose and a mission statement: teach, motivate, strive to be the best. You know, that's it: teach, motivate, strive to be the best. You know, teach life lessons through the game of football that has made a tremendous impact on, on my life, and I want to motivate and inspire action in the, the people I choose to lead. You know, mm-hmm. and then ultimately, you know, be the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I'm, I'm expecting my players to you know, be their best and change their best on a daily basis. Well, I better be my best. Mm-hmm. You know, so it all comes down to my teach, motivate, strive to be the best, and and once you understand your purpose and why am I here? And it's not just to coach football. It is a part of it. And we want to do things the right way. And we want, we, we do want to have success because we want to show that their hard work means something, hmm. but it's greater than that. It's, you know, one story I told is, is boy, it had to be 2018. I believe as at the wedding at two former players, um, I recruited, you know, a decade earlier, you know, Marty Reinhardt got married to, to Christie and, and a month later, JT got married, uh, to the, the and these are these are two quality young men that are that are dear friends in my life hmm. that I recruited and I'm sitting there and I'm like this is what it's about hmm. you know these guys had a lot they had a great career on and off the field uh, they're great human beings they they met great people who are now a big part of their lives and and I had a hand in that and I'm like wow this, this is bigger than just playing football yeah so once, once you understand your purpose, then, then I think you can really focus on developing yourself. I really do believe that. Cool.
1: Well, I know that we both appreciate you coming out. Listen, this is Coach Mike Winslow at the Teal, uh, coaching the Teal Tomcats, and we are thrilled for what's going to happen there. We know great things are in store on and off the field, and um, we're glad to be your friend. Hopefully you can come back. This is uh, Anthony Cloditis at Faith Prez signing off for another week of Engaged Podcast, Leader to Leader. And we look forward to seeing you and here talking to you next week.